Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. Oh no, I fucked it up. I clapped too early. Right. One, two, three. Eighteenth of July, two thousand and eighteen. I'm Simon Copland, and I'm Benjamin Riley. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week, we're talking about belonging. We often critique identity and respectability politics on this podcast. One of the main critiques we make is that these forms of politics negate the importance of difference, trying to make us all the same. The campaign for marriage equality, just for example, often focused on how gay couples were just like straight couples, using this as an argument for legislative change. One thing that we often don't talk about in this debate, however, is belonging. While we often talk about the value of difference, there is an important need for us to all feel a need to belong as well. This often seems to butt up against other queer ideals, with many arguing that queers need to change who we are in order to belong. So this week we want to have a look at things from a bit of a different angle. How do we quantify the value of people feeling a need to belong to our society? How does this potentially compete with other goals? Does this need for belonging necessarily negate a need to embrace difference? So, Simon, to get started, as a queer, which I believe that you are... Uh, how important do you feel it is for you to belong within broader society? Well, I think this is an interesting question because I think uh, my immediate response, you know, my, my des- immediate desire to, is to say, well, I don't think I have this great need. You know, it's it, I want to embrace difference and celebrate difference and, you know, broader society, there's, there's all these fucked up institutions and why would I want to belong to them and all that kind of stuff, you know? There, you know, there's everything in our broader society is kind of screwed up, so why do I want to belong to that? And there's... Fuck whole, broader society. Yeah, and there's a whole, like, politics that I have of, like, burn it all down rather than trying to belong to it. You know, it's... And that's, that's the position I take around marriage equality. It's the position I take... I took around, you know, uh, getting acceptance into the army. I'd rather you know, tear down military structures than, than fight to gain access to them. Mm. That, you know, that's, that's very, very much a strong part of my politics. Uh, and it's really important to me yet at the same time. And this is where the contradiction comes in. Obviously, you know, everybody has a need to belong. Like we have a need to feel like we fit in somehow because 
you know, we humans are inherently social beings, and if we don't belong somewhere, we kind of end up just being super isolated. And and so, of course, I do things, probably uh, subconsciously, unconsciously, um, that shape how I how I act or shape how I present myself in order to belong to to a broader society in in different kinds of ways. And so, there's this real contradiction here that I think is really interesting for me. Uh, in how I how I feel politically in terms of a lot of these institutions, but also a very strong understanding about that desire to belong and that desire to to fit in because we are such social beings that that, that is such an important part of our life. We can't go through I could you know you couldn't go through a life without belonging to some community somewhere or belonging belonging in some kind of way. Sure. Well, it feels like a, a bit of a broader expression of just kind of relationships and intimacy and connection generally, you know, that, that, you know, no one's an island. Um, you need those connections to other people and, and that can perhaps be understood as, as a desire to, to belong to something. I mean, I think that there are a couple of different but related questions here for me. I think it, it's one thing to kind of say, to ask the question of whether or not we want to belong to broader society. And, and that raises a lot of political questions as, as you have, uh, about uh, how we do politics, how we grapple with things like respectability politics, for example. But in some, and you know, like in some ways, that's a really abstract thing. In that, you know, what is broader society? Like, how do we understand what the kind of you know, quote unquote, normal person is that we're trying to be like to be accepted? Absolutely. I mean, it's abstract. It's also very real in the sense that that those things do, in very real ways, shape our behavior and shape our political movements. I think that there is a question for me around, I guess, what it means to belong even to the idea of gay or the idea of queer. Like, what does... Part part of what got me really interested in this topic is, obviously, on the one hand, those questions about belonging to broader society, but also the fact that on this podcast, we're often very critical of identity politics and what essential identity is and what it means to kind of identify as gay and and whether that closes us off to broader experiences around our ourselves and our sexuality and our our gender experience of gender and all that all that kind of thing but i i suppose i'm i've been i've been doing a lot of reading recently for a master's that i've just started about um Mr. Fancy Academic. <laughs> and not as I fancy say- as you, mister, um, <laughs> who's about to go overseas for an academic conference. Uh, yeah, I guess about like history, like gay history and, and what it means to construct, I guess, the role of history in helping us to construct identity and and a sense of belonging in some broad way. Yeah, and I've kind yeah. of like found myself coming up against myself uh, and these ideas that... I remember a while ago we, we, we talked about uh, the queer utopia when we did the episode about Andrew Garfield and, and that, like, our, our vision of this utopia would be that we're all just kind of whatever and we sit around and, like, you know, flirt and, like, experiences lead to kind of new understandings of ourselves and new explorations yeah, yeah. of sexuality and gender. I'm like, great, that's that's great. But on some level... It's also kind of erasing of the meaning that is built up over time around community and identity and history uh, that I think is really powerful, not just for 
our experience of ourselves and our capacity to have solidarity with others, but for our activism, for our political goals. And not, I don't just mean in a, in a pragmatic sense, but um, just for being able to kind of like position ourselves in the world. Does that make, mm, does that mm. make sense? No, no, it, t- it totally does. This actually reminds me, um, a couple of years ago, uh, I power read through Dennis Altman's book, Homosexuality, and then I read The End of Homosexuality, his latest book. Sure, well, yeah. not his latest book anymore, but I, I read them in like two weeks because I, I um, well, less than that, because I was writing a review of The End of Homosexuality for somewhere. Um, I think it's the, the End of the Homosexual. The End of the Homosexual, sorry, yeah. correct. Uh, with a question mark. Yes, um, yes, the end but, of the homosexual. And what, but, like, yes, um, and what he posits in the first book, Homosexuality, is he sort of goes through the history of homosexuality, but then he sort of, at the end, he sort of says, are we going to let come to this world where there's, you know, where we have an end of homosexuality? I think the last chapter of Homosexuality... His it's first called The End of the Homosexual, is, yeah. It's called The End of the Homosexual, and he sort of talks about this sort of queer utopia idea that we were talking about, that we would break down these identity... Um, constructs because they've been constructed in particular ways and everyone would just be able to sort of flirt and have sex with whoever they wanted and and do all that sort of stuff. And I think that when he comes to the end of the homosexual, his book, not the chapter, his book, the one that was released in 2013, I think, um, he sort of goes back and looks at that and says, actually, no, I think that there is some sort of value that has been placed on these these structures and in these communities and these community practices that means that maybe we don't want to see the end of this belonging to this idea of being gay or being homosexual uh, and that there is there is extreme value to 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 the feeling of belonging to such a community that breaking it down would actually sort of d- destroy a social group that people really need to feel to feel a belonging to and that's, you know I'm using the term belonging here to come back to our sort of topic mm-hmm. um and I think it's a really it's a really valuable thing to think about because you know we sort of talk about you know the breaking down this queer utopia ideal, um, but does that n- end up destroying a space where people can belong, a community mm. a, that people can identify with and and can create you know can share have shared politics and shared ideas and shared sexual practices and shared community etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, if we break down this sort of identity based politics, does that break down a space where people feel like they can belong? And I think also it it is difficult to have a coherent politics within like within an ahistorical space that oh, absolutely. we you know we need those sort of contexts. We need an understanding of that context if not a, a present experience of it to just be able to, I don't know, construct a politics to, to decide kind of what we want and how we want change, you know? And I think, like, part of this is the kind of, like, it throws up the problem of queer theory, you know, that, that queer theory, you know, that, that there is a sort of... The, the promises of queer theory and the ideas that it throws up about, like, uh, everything is fluid and changing and performative and and we exist in this space where nothing really means everything but everything means everything you know that very sort of postmodern stuff it's not a particularly useful like it's not a particularly useful frameworks for doing belonging and it's not yep. a particularly useful framework for doing politics it's that um, part of queer theory about deconstruct everything yeah um sort of if there's a, it's a useful in a theoretical sense, but how can you engage in politics if you're just constantly deconstructing things? Sometimes you have to have concrete things to 
to do politics around. Totally. And more than that, I think, like, like how do you even do being a person, you know, in that if you're deconstructing everything and deconstructing yourself at all times? I mean, if, as you said, and I would completely agree, you know, we're inherently social creatures and, you know, connection is important for everyone. I think, you know, it's one of the few uh, universals that I would actually put, a, put my name to. What do... Yeah, I guess it, it sort of raises the central... A uh, question here in the central contradiction is how can we obviously we think there's value in decon- in that deconstruction and in, in kind of breaking down those identities because that's a huge part of what this podcast has been about for the past two years but how do we are those things in direct competition with each other like how do we get the good from both can we is you know yeah, yeah you know what I'm yeah no to. I think I think that I think that's and I think that's the valuable question that this sort of comes down to of like how, how you know there is a contradiction that has been established and I think if we go back you know to, to, to make this a bit more concrete we can maybe go back to the marriage equality campaign where you can see this idea of this contradiction between uh, the sort of the desire to belong to the institution and the and the and the arguments that we need to change our ways in order to belong to that institution. We need to become the monogamous uh, queers who want to live with a white picket fence and, you know, get married and, you know, have a have a beautiful wedding, all that kind of stuff. That that sort of was the, the imagery that was portrayed during a lot of that campaign um, versus people who said that this sort of breaks down our difference and it destroys our difference and it destroys... Um, that uh, sense that we have of being queer, um, mm. and is but uh, and so this is an established contradiction. I think that plays out in public discourse. So, you know, and I think that that exists in discourses as debate that occurs. I think the question I'd like to ask is: Does that contradiction actually exist, or is there ways that you can do both? Can we actually sort of think about? breaking down some of these uh, institutions that we don't like, but also breaking down... In, and in turn, I think that means breaking down some of these sort of identity markers. Sure. But also still having the capacity for, for belonging and for, for creating community and for sort of broader acceptance within society. You know, can those two things work together? I think they probably can. I just don't think... I think that that's a very complex way of doing things and it's much much more complex than a, at a way that just says, let's try and belong to the, the things that already exist. I mean, I think the the thing that immediately pops into my head, and and immediately following that, the the problems with it is is I guess a plurality having a plurality of options for belonging, which is I think kind of what we see in like the the like Uber identity politics spaces, like Tumblr identity politics kind of stuff, where it's like you have a million different very specific, very discrete uh, identities that you can pick and choose from yep. and that all of those things represent spaces that are potentially challenges to dominant, uh, you know, modes of being but are also defined and allow for belonging within those spaces, you know, whether it's XYZ, sexual, XYZ, gender thing. And so I guess... Like, you can see how that sort of discourse would arise as a potential solution to this stuff. But that throws up uh, its own kind of challenges in that the, the boundaries between those things become immediately policed and, and it still just ends up being... Like, it, it, it still ends up being a space that doesn't allow for a lot of fluidity, I think. Mm, and it also, to me, um, creates a space that... Uh, implicitly, even if it isn't explicit, sort of um, ends up 
becoming a bit of a separatist space, you know, that I am of of this identity marker, I'm only going to stick with these people of these identity markers because nobody else understands me or I can't belong anywhere else. Um, and so you end up having very separate communities that exist over here and, and often very little sort of movement between or just, you know, connections between those communities because they're seen as sort of being non-understanding or they just, they're the privileged ones. So they're, therefore they, yeah, you know, yeah, they'll never, course. they'll never, you know, so we they can't become hierarchical. Engage. It becomes yeah. hierarchical. And so if you're, and you know, if you're at the bottom of the hierarchy, you can't trust anybody at the top of the hierarchy. If you're at the top of the hierarchy, blah, 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 blah. You know, so there's this, there's this separatist element to that as well, which I think is really um, problematic because, you know, part of my response to this is, well, okay, one of the great things about having, uh, a gay identity marker is that we can feel a sense of belonging. And I think that, you know, the the actual sense of whether, whether people actually belong, whether there is actually a queer community that people can belong to is something that, you know, we've discussed a lot on this podcast, but, you know, theoretically we can have this idea of, you know, you can feel a sense of belonging to a gay community. Um, so if you don't feel comfortable, um, you know, you know, you know, having a broader community of belonging to the broader community, whatever that is, then at least you have a space of belonging. Uh, and that is a good thing. But at the same time, that does that break down these bonds of solidarity between different communities and between, you know, does it break down the potential of solidarity between queers and straight people and, and, and all those sorts of things when it comes to political struggles? So how does this sort of atomized groups actually end up breaking down the potential of connections between people in a broader sense? Yes. And I think in practice, that's 100% what actually happens. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, like... I feel like there are these touchstones from discussions we've had around this stuff that I come back to again and again. And one of them is the experience you and I had at the Better Together conference earlier this year and the caucuses built around identities. Yes, Whereas yes. in the past at the, the National Homosexual Conference, which was framed as being the... Um, the Better Together conference was framed as being a successor to the National Homosexual Conference. Uh, they had had caucuses built around particular issues, so particular things that that people wanted to fight for, like uh, change in higher education policy, or yeah. like particular industries, or you know, law reform, or whatever. And I think they had like teachers caucus, so that if you were a gay teacher, or you know, a, a, you know, queer person involved in education, you could come together to talk about your experiences there, but also to talk about change in education systems, you know, to sort of base around around politics of issues. Mm. And I suppose it kind of, you know, that to me points to the idea of, uh, I mean, it's like, I feel like I was about to say something then, and then it kind of caught in my throat because I was like, it to me points to a way of doing belonging. And then I'm like, but fucking hell, like you can't, I mean, belonging is such a... It's such a kind of thing that is so deep down, you know, and so so felt at such a core level that it, it's hard to sort of talk about a politics of belonging that like like a um, a positive politics of belonging that we would encourage it, be encouraging people to do because it's so like how the fuck do you kind of encourage yeah, yeah, people yeah. to feel a particular <laughs> way? Um, but interesting to talk about anyway. Um, you know, uh, the, where we talk about kind of belonging to communities of practice you know communities that that do things in certain ways or or um have not and i think politics is one way of looking at that and and wanting certain political goals but i think it's it's maybe putting the cart before the horse like it's a it's a i don't think it makes a lot of sense to start there and that instead we could talk about 
belonging in terms of communities that have particular experiences and and uh, uh, exist in the world in particular ways, and that political goals, I imagine, would arise from that rather than kind of trying to mush each other together. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Is that, is that not what happened at the Better Together conference, don't you think? That that's how it was sort of shaped, that people have a belonging so so for our listeners they were there were caucuses based around identity groups so there was the gay caucus the lesbian caucus um the trans caucus people of color etc etc but um, I, I would say that those are caucuses built around identity rather than experience though ah uh, so, so what i what i but i so i'm playing devil's advocate here i agree no no, no sure um, yeah i'm playing devil's advocate i think people would argue uh, and i think this is a this is a problem and i think this is a problem that, that exists within identity politics that people argue that that gay people have the same experiences as as a, as a gay person, or lesbian people have lesbian women have the a, a joint a joint experience as being a lesbian the thing, woman. The thing is, that so they, a, a, a lot of the time they do. Like there, there are lots of instances where where that's true, but but it's certainly not necessarily true. And I think it's mm, like I agree with you. Yeah, comparing gay men to say. Uh, uh, let's say like trans women, for example. I'm mean, not that I have experience as a trans woman, but what I would imagine is that there, there's, given how sort of basic a lot of the things that that trans people are fighting for in terms of access to healthcare, the 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 the, the life experiences that would lead to potential political goals, uh, it makes a lot more sense that there would be a lot more alignment there because those those goals are like so much more pressing. Whereas like for gay men, because there's in terms of things that relate to us being gay men. In a country like Australia, there's not... We don't need all that much, you know? Like, like there aren't that many just kind of, like, basic political fights that we that we have uh, still to go. And so, that uh, allows for much greater fragmentation in terms of experience. You can be really rich and privileged and gay. You know, you can be... You know, you can have all sorts of experiences and be gay, 
Does that does that make sense? Like that, like yeah, there's... it does. I think I think it's probably a little bit more blurry than that, um, but it does. And I was just, I was, I'm, I'm, was... I'm generalizing, of course. Yeah, know. absolutely, of course. Um, I think what's, I mean, what, I mean, what was interesting where I thought you were going with this, where, where you didn't is what was interesting is about talking about like uh, sort of the very pressing needs of healthcare issues, for example, uh, for trans people. Um, what's interesting is that there is a lot of experience, for example, of gay men fighting for very similar pressing healthcare needs uh, historically and currently if you're talking about things like PrEP um, and the potential of collaboration and solidarity there that exists, but because we base a lot of the politics is based on you're belonging to a particular identity group. There's seen to be a separation when in fact there could be collaboration based on less, you know, past lessons, even though the, the healthcare issues are different, there's a whole bunch of lessons that could be learnt and connections that could be built and connect and feelings of belonging or connections between different groups who are fighting for similar things. Sure. But, but because we have this sort of identity based approach, the gay men are seen as the privileged ones who were sort of opposed, and we've, we sort of spoke about this in, the, in our episode about gay men, who were sort of opposed to, or you know, inherently a blocker to the to the to the to the attempts to similar attempts to simple similar struggles for trans people, for example, um, because our belonging is based on this hierarchical identity sort of thing, this this ladder that exists. Um, rather than sort of thinking about how we can create a sense of broader belonging or broader connections that can work across different different groups. Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think of a... I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, I, I've worked in, in HIV organisations quite a lot and certainly something that I've seen in those spaces is that solidarity is created with... Like, that, like there's a lot of... I mean, you know, it could always be better, but... There's collaboration with sex worker organisations and with drug user organisations because they're uh, both communities where HIV is a, a potential yeah, issue. And you do see those kind of connections of solidarity. But you also see a tension between, yeah, I, I guess, gay men sort of feeling like they control the issue of HIV and that it, it sort of belongs to them that can be a blocker to solidarity in those spaces. But at best, you know, like I have, I have kind of groups of friends in those spaces where there's a real mix of people, you know, men and women and, 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 uh, you know, cis and trans and, and, and that what kind of unites them is engagement with, uh, activism around HIV. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that certainly can exist and, and that I have, yeah, it's funny when, you know, reflecting on that, I feel like I have felt more of a sense of belonging uh, at times in in that space than I have in, you know, gay-identified spaces. Yeah, which which doesn't surprise me at all, um, both knowing you but also just knowing these sorts of spaces that you often, you know, goes back to the sort of sense of belonging of, 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 of around an issue or an experience or something like that. I've been to plenty of gay spaces, you know, gay male spaces where I don't feel a sense of connection or belonging because, you know, and often, um, you know, you hear this sort of spoken about a lot, you know, having, you know, being attracted to, you know, wanting to suck dick isn't enough to make you feel connected with somebody, right? It's not enough of a connection um, to, to make you necessarily connect, you know, connect with somebody and to, and to belong into that community. There, There often has to be something else. There often has to be something more. And, and those, those feelings of experience, those feelings of, of political goals, those, you know, those sorts of things are often the things that can connect us a bit more strongly than just a, you know, I identify as gay. So therefore we must somehow 
somehow connect or be or belong together in some kind of way. Um, and I think that's that's uh, it's this interesting point because it's you know I agree with it, and there are certainly gay spaces where I've been where I just don't feel like I connect. I feel like we live in completely different worlds from the people that I'm I'm with. You know, I um, you know I used to play when I was in Brisbane. I played. Um, rugby in a gay team and I connected with a lot of people there very very strongly but there were some people in the in that team who were in a completely different world to me and I just had there was just no matter what just because we were both attracted to dudes does you know there was no way we were going to build connection and and, and connect in sure. any kind of way and but it, so you know I, I feel that um, distance at times but I also feel this desire you know going back to the sort of thing we were talking about at the start this desire to you know to to want to build connections around a political movement, a queer political movement and queer political goals and not break, not necessarily break down the culture that has existed around gay spaces in the past. Cause I think that culture is also super important. Um, and this is the contradiction I find myself in constantly. Yeah. I mean, I, to, to go back as well to those early questions about the fact that clearly a lot of people in queer community let's talk about gay men i feel like it's it's kind of easier in in this instance a a lot of gay men who want that sense of belonging to you know quote-unquote broader society whatever that is i mean given what we're talking about and and given this idea that perhaps shared experience and and i I really want to say shared experience rather than shared politics because i feel like that's that's a it's a much more that's much more abstract given that like do we just kind of, I don't know, like, are they a, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't sound really horrible, but like, are they just kind of a write-off, like, in terms of solidarity, in terms of belonging? Like, like, do we just kind of go, those people's experience experiences are just too different and too much more aligned with gay, uh, so, sorry, with mainstream society for us to, to want to, or for us to even be able to have solidarity with them and have a sense of belonging with them that could produce community that could produce political outcomes any of that sort of thing so i think uh no i don't think it's a write off and i i I've, i sort of push back strongly against the idea that it could be i think the way the reason i i say that is i, I would challenge the bit in which you focus solely on shared experience because i think that politics is important and a shared political sense is understanding of what your politics is 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 important and politics doesn't just come from experience and i think that this is sure really important because i think that uh within identity politics there's an assumption that um if you are privileged quote unquote then you must inherently have some privileged politics that is right wing and awful and because you come from that experience you you're not there's not a possibility of you having a quote unquote better politics but i, um, I mean i, just I don't, would say I don't that, see that comes from that it's that in that identity politics framework though they're not talking about experience they're talking about identity and that there I mean, is an assumption that particular experiences go with particular identities no i agree with that yeah. but i i think and so i th- and so i think that that is, and I, so I think that that that, that uh, feeling of um, identity creates this sort of different understanding of of where people's politics come from. Mm. But I also don't think that we can necessarily limit 
to the question to uh, to experience either. Sure, so you know, sure. I have the capacity. Sure, we have you know, free am, will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am not someone. You know, I have never. I, you know, I don't have HIV, for example. Um, I don't. Uh, I've never had a close family member or friend who who has HIV. I have people I know who have HIV, but no one extremely close to me. Um, but I still have the capacity to engage with, think about, read about, speak with people around HIV, and I have, and build build a rel- radical politics around that. That, or even though I don't haven't experienced it, that I feel like I can empathize, I can build solidarity with, I can ah, do all so here's, things. Well, th- that raises a really interesting question. What is the relationship between, and you know, that's a, that's a really good point, I suppose, first of all, what is the relationship between belonging and empathy? Well, I, I mean, I think that it has to be quite close. I mean, you, 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 you can't belong somewhere unless you have empathy with a particular, with, with the people in those groups, right? But how do you yeah. have empathy for people if you don't belong? I suppose it's more like... Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know. Do you know I, what know, I mean, though? Like, yeah, like no, how no, do no, like no. how do we? If empathy is important, and I, I I believe it is, you know, for exactly the reasons you're talking about, so that we can have solidarity with people who are not like us and issues that don't directly affect us. Yeah, even as I say that, I kind of would would say that uh, having a broader politics is about understanding that all issues affect us, rather than um, you know just saying that we should care about issues that don't affect us. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, the, the the treatment of, you know, going back to the example I was using, the, the, the imprisonment of people with HIV or the, the lack of access to medication, uh, even though it doesn't directly affect my health at this point in time, it is a, it's part of a broader structure that is... Uh, that you, know, you live that, in that and... Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that affects me in other kinds of ways. It's it's, it's one of the symptoms of a structure that it, that affects me and it, it, that, you know, that has different symptoms that I that I feel and they're all symptoms of, of, a, of a broader broader issues. Um, and so those... And those sympt- they're all connected in some kind of way. There is a, there's a common cause. Um, and so we can build connections and empathy in that kind of way by understanding... That 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 there's a common cause or, or common causes to these things. Yes. Yeah. So something else that we were thinking about was the question of like why we focus so much on belonging, ideas around belonging when it comes to to campaigns around queer issues. And I suppose a lot of our conversation has been thinking about whether or not you know can we harness this idea for good or is it something that we should. Uh, that's that's actually a hindrance more than anything else. I, I mean, I think it's a good question. I mean, the first point is why is it so important? I mean, I think that probably the the most easiest answer to that is to say that it's because that queer people have an experience of not belonging, uh, of of being pushed out, of of um, you know being excluded from spaces, and and so it. Naturally, of course, I can understand that that creates a desire to want to to fight against that and to and to find ways to belong and to figure out how sure, to belong. Sure, sure, of course, of course. And in, and there's such a historical, you know, uh, it's such such an historical precedence to that that of course that's what we want to do. Um, and the, the you know, and so I think the challenge is how do we figure out a way to 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 uh, to to allow for that belonging in some kind of way to allow people to have a feeling of belonging without necessarily changing the things that make us you know that I think make queer people interesting and that are, you know changing the history you know and it, and it's a history that is based on exclusion that we've you know we sort of queer people have been excluded but have created in doing so we have created this amazing history um an amazing culture and amazing politics 
um, and how do we sort of maintain that whilst also allowing people to to belong and 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 to feel connection in society because I think connection in society is really important um, and I think that for me it comes down to thinking about what do we want to belong to and what is it that has created the sort of exclusion um, because it's not just creating exclusion for us, it's creating exclusion for a bunch of people uh, and how can we sort of break down the exclusionary practices rather than just joining the exclusionary practices, if that makes sense, or finding ways to to join into a structure that, that remains exclusionary even if we get access to it. I feel, I feel like we've we've kind of gone over the course of this discussion from you know, this place where we started, I mean, it's not, this is a bit of an unfair uh, encapsulation of how we started, but kind of going, none of us are the same, we're all different, difference is important, we should be okay with that, to kind of going, ah, actually, maybe everyone's the same, and, you know, in some way or another, and and let's kind of think about that. No, sure, I I agree. But I think this is a contradiction of the human experience, right? We are... (laughs) different like you know like like if we're we've gotten to such a grandiose yeah, 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 point in the discussion <laughs> but like it's you know we are you know i said at the start we're all inherently social beings i think you know i agree i think that that is one thing that i feel comfortable saying that you know we're all we are all social beings to some extent um but we are all also different and that is um that is a contradiction that exists within human societies that we are different but we also have a desire to connect and that career and so we're different and we're the same at the same time um mm. and that and is a balance both? that we need to figure out yeah and i think that our broadest you know maybe mainstream politics or a sort of capitalist society wants to treat us as the same um because they want to treat us as workers and so to be a good worker you have to be you know have the same mentality as all the other good workers um and that is that is the the thing that we often try as queers to to um, to get to to be part of that sort of that sort of mold of what a you know a capitalist person is, and I think that that is the problem when we're trying to get get belonging into something that I think is destructive. Um, sure, sure. You know, to break down the difference, but you can still have difference while being the same. You know, if, which is strange. Yeah, but uh, you know, hopefully, some of what we've said makes a vague amount of sense. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch or make a comment, you can do so in a whole range of ways. We're very accessible, Simon. Yes, you can email us on queerspodcast at gmail.com or you could follow us on Facebook or Twitter at queerspodcast. Um, and we also have personal social media accounts. I'm on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer and on Twitter at Simon Copland. And Ben is on Twitter at Ben C. Riley. I am. Uh, you can also find the podcast on our website, queerspodcast.com, which has a beautiful banner image of the two of us on the top, which I still really like. I really like my hair in that photo. Um, uh, a photo beautifully taken by my little brother, Tom. Thanks, Tom. You're a very talented photographer. Uh, just thought I'd give that shout out. My, it's, a real, it's a real family affair on Queers. Tom did the photos. Uh, my older brother, Nat, did the music, uh, all of the music. My family um, didn't do anything. Yeah, God, do you you know you said you're seeing your sister soon? Is there anything that you can bring her on board to do? I'll, I'll, I'll think. Yep. Okay. Great. She's she's a she works for the UN, so I'm you know oh. I'm I'm trying to think about what just you know, get it in the get it in the hands of some important people. Maybe yeah, uh, maybe 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 that's what she can do. Networking is what she can provide. Yes, that's a it's a very important skill. 
so what was I talking about? The website. <laughs> uh, you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or any of the other uh, podcast platforms. If you do so, leave us a review and rating, which helps other people find us. We also have our uh, wonderful podcast network, Earbuds. You should check out their other podcasts as well. Also, just tell a friend. We've been getting some great comments recently on our Facebook page and our Twitter account, and I think a lot of that comes from people telling other people about the podcast um, and sort of spreading the love a little bit. Uh, it's a really great way to uh, get the message out. So maybe post about the, an episode you like on your Facebook feed or or if you know someone who's really interested in this sort of stuff, just let them know and maybe they'll, they'll enjoy the podcast as well. Thanks as always for listening and we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Melbourne's Podcast Network. EarbudsNetwork.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.